0: Listen, do you smell something?
1: Yep, smells like onion burgers. We're definitely in El Reno. Hello, I'm Sam Saxon.
0: I'm Professor Joff
1: And you're listening to Tales Unveiled, where we explore ghost stories and urban legends.
0: Want to enjoy some stories about Oklahoma in comic book form? Well, then, my friend, you need to check out Okie Comics. Get the latest issue for free at okiecomics.com, O K I E comics.com.
1: The professor and I arrived in El Reno for our interview with plenty of time to spare, so I drove us around the town checking out various sites. We first stopped at a sculpture of a giant Route 66 sign designed by Hugh Mead, in which people could pose inside the numbers. I asked the professor to take my picture, which he did, but he declined when I offered to do the same. He seemed a little anxious to meet with Tanya, as he suggested we go straight to Iron Tree Coffee and wait for her there.
0: Tanya, good to see you. Hello, this is Sam Saxon. Hello, how are you doing?
2: Hi, how are you?
0: I'm doing pretty good.
1: It was a nice drive to El Reno today. Oh, it's sunny. Always sunny. Yeah. And we had we got here a little bit before our scheduled interview, so we stopped and walked around downtown 'cause I have to admit I've never been to El Reno before. It's certainly a nice little town. What do you like about El Reno?
2: El Reno is steeped with a lot of history. Um, between the land run, the Indians, the removal onto different lands, and of course there's always murder and to really say with that, but lots of murder and, and history wrapped into one.
1: I guess we'll start with the history. What can you tell us about the history of El Reno? Why is it called El Reno?
2: It's it's named after, of course, I think it was General Reno. Um, but being the fact that the fort was named after him, they added the L before it to differentiate between the town and the fort itself. Hmm. They had two two different areas that were really kind of shooting to became to become the town this area ended up winning out. Uh, They moved some of those buildings over into here and that's kind of what formed El Reno. Thomas Jensen had donated 80 acres of his land along with another gentleman who had donated and that's what helped actually form the downtown area of El Reno.
1: Onion burgers or depression burgers as they were first called got popularized in the 1920s when the Hamburger Inn in El Reno started mashing onions into the meat since meat was expensive, but onions were cheap at the time. Being on Route 66, word got around about these new burgers and more places started making their own versions. If you want to know more about this story, check out the book, Hamburger and Fries, An American Story by John Edge. Now, El Reno has embraced this history with several places featuring their own onion burger, and the city itself hosts an annual onion burger festival in which they make a giant onion burger i asked tanya for her recommendation but as she
2: explained i don't eat onions (laughs) i i I have been over to sid's and and i do like their burgers but i don't do the onions unfortunately so
1: i I thought i would ask anyway professor really is really interested in some of those murders you talked about. So, I guess, Professor, you want to
0: kick it off? Absolutely. Yeah. You, uh, tell us some of the jaded stories of El Rito past.
2: Okay. So, one of the most interesting stories has to do with the Southern Hotel. It's over located kind of by the museum area, a few blocks away from the downtown, and it's included in on the walk.
1: The walk, you do a ghost tour, correct?
2: Yes. The ghost tour walk. Can you still? Yeah. You're remember? still good. Okay. Um, The building was actually owned by the same woman who owned the old Capitol Publishing building there in Guthrie. Hmm. And she really wasn't into the building too much. She ended up selling the building um, over to her sister. Now, when she sold the building to her sister, the sister may have taken the building, but she decided she would take her sister's husband instead.
1: That's quite devious.
2: So, yes, sister ran away with sister's other sister's husband and uh, left the building with her. Now, the nephew ended up working in the building, and he was there for many, many years. He used to store some very classic cars in the basement of the building, um, kind of mintage, or mint condition uh, classics. They had, he had started getting into drugs and drinking a lot and hanging out with the wrong crowd. He started to kind of decline over the years, and it was told that he actually signed away all of those classic cars to some guy when he was under the influence of drugs and alcohol. So they had to end up, uh, Goldie ended up having to go to court to get them all back. And a whole lot of things just kind of started happening in the building. Now, he ended up in the hospital, He became unconscious, and they said when he woke up, he kept screaming, please stop stabbing me in the neck with that needle. And shortly after, he died.
1: Hmm.
2: So there is speculation that he was murdered by someone actually overdosing him. There have been um, several transients that have been found, um, just homeless people over the years found dead inside the building. Another uh, another uh, haunting there is a gentleman who was always on time, was never late for anything. A couple of friends had came over um, waiting to go have dinner with him, and they waited and waited. He never came down, so they sent someone up to check on him. Well, when they found him, he was dead on the bed, apparently of a heart attack. Now, this gentleman also worked in the building, and years later there were reports that a woman had went in to see a friend of hers, She was trying to locate where the apartment was. She couldn't find anything, and she turned around and saw what looked like kind of a bellhop. And he told her which way to go, gave her directions, and as she started to turn around to say thank you, he was gone. Later on, she would describe what this gentleman looked like and was told that it was the old bellhop that used to to work in the building, that he had died years before.
1: What building was this again?
2: That's the Southern Hotel. All of that's in the Southern, which has recently been renovated. Um, It was a... More recently was a retirement facility. And here, just in the past year, has been renovated. It's now a wayward home for homeless teenagers as well as the elderly.
1: Hmm. Well, that's that's noble of them.
2: They may house more than than just the elderly and homeless at this point, but... um, Mm.
1: What about downtown Al Reno? What stories do you have?
2: Okay, so downtown, over here at the Center Theater, um, we have a gentleman there that used to actually run the projectors. He, stand, he stays up in the projector booth most of the time, but he does get around. The building was built in 1945, I believe. It burnt down and was rebuilt, and has been just kind of a popular place ever since. Now, when I first went into the building years ago, I went in to look for an event and was just randomly taking pictures and caught a picture of what looked like a guy sitting down in one of the sta- uh, one of the seats, kind of way up. It sits about 250 people. It's a big inside theater. And that was my first run-in, run-in there with them. More recently, some of the investigations we've had there has given other things come along. Uh, we have gotten what sounds like preaching going on, like a preacher would be in front of a congregation. Hmm. And we also ended up getting references to the fire, which nobody but myself knew at that point that was with us that there had been a fire on that property. During uh, the weekend of St. Patrick's Day, that our glass next door to it was having some Celtic music being played and having stuff going on. And we were up in the old manager's office and some of the stuff we got that came across was talking about the music being too loud. Turn it down. So we've had, we've had a lot of activity in that building. And here recently, it's actually gotten more and more for us. So it's been a good location.
1: What's what's in the building right now? Is it still a theater?
2: Uh, they show, like, old movies in it. And then you can rent it out for events. Like, when we have our paranormal conference, it's actually going to be held there because it's, it's a seating like an actual theater would be. Um, they did do community theater out of it for a while, and then the, they ended up having to go start doing it at the, ha- at the high school. So. so now it's just little events like that or people rent it out.
0: <coughs> What's your most terrifying encounter here? In-
2: okay, so the most terrifying encounter I've ever actually had wasn't, It didn't happen here in El Reno, but it is connected to El Reno. This was a few years ago. Uh, We were called out to investigate a home here in El Reno. And the night before I had been at my house, and I, I was up for whatever reason late, and I decided I would sleep on the couch that night while my husband was asleep in the room. And I always leave a light on in my kitchen all the time. I was laying on the couch, and I had just closed my eyes. And you know how you can kind of, you can tell when there's a light shift, even with your eyes shut? Well, I could see that it went dark, so I opened my eyes, and the kitchen light was off. And of course, I'm thinking, "Oh, my husband got up and just turned off the lights, because he's like that. And so I got up, went in, turned on the light again, went and laid back down. A few minutes later, here goes the darkness again. So... I get back up, I turn the light back on, I go lay back down, and I thought to myself, I've been awake the whole time, I never heard my husband walk through. Hmm. And all of a sudden, I felt two hands grab my shoulders and push me into the couch. It was pinning me down, holding me down, and I was fighting, I was trying to move my arms, I was trying to bang on the wall. Anything I could do to try to get attention, I couldn't speak, Um, I was unable to even sit up. This was just a very, very strong force pushing me down in my shoulders. And I kept trying to say the Lord's Prayer in my head. And I couldn't even get through the Lord's Prayer. And by about the probably the five or sixth time I tried, I finally got through the entire verse and I felt it lift. And I, I sat up on the couch, I'm looking around, and I look over towards my front door and I see this tall dark entity standing there. And he had to have been a good six foot, six and a half feet tall, just standing in the corner. And I was freaked out. I have done this for years. I can walk into a, an abandoned building completely dark by myself and it, it won't freak me out. And this scared me. My husband uh, got up the next morning. I was still wide awake. I had every light in my house on. And I begged him not to go to work that day because I did not want to be left alone. And of course, my husband, being my husband, never misses work, said, You know, I have to go. So I, I stayed there, it was about 10.30 in the morning by the, the time I was able to finally close my eyes with the, the sun completely up. And I dozed for maybe about an hour and I called um, one of my other teammates that was supposed to go with me to this house. And I said, I, I just can't make it. I can't, I, I've been up all night, I'm exhausted. This is what happened. And she said, no, you have to go. And so I gave in, I made her drive and we got to the house here in el reno and we pulled up didn't think too much about it i got to the front door and the minute i walked in i felt it and i turned to the owner and i said you have a basement don't you and she said yes and i'm like is that the door back there and she said yes it is so i went down the stairs and the minute i got to the bottom of the stairs i looked over to the side there's another set of stairs that kind of lead to the outside And that guy was sitting on those stairs looking at me. He had threatened. That's what he was trying to keep us from going to the house. And that's what they do. But this was probably the most violent and strongest one I'd ever gone up against. So we we did end up investigating the house. And at that point, I was pissed because this thing came into my home and it threatened me. And during the investigation, we had a few things come up. Now, the original report of this house was there was a gentleman that lived with his family he was an older gentleman he was in the war and he suffered from severe ptsd in the basement is where he lived but he would sit down there for 24 hours at a time with no light no food no drink just staring towards the wall where i'd seen that guy at So we had had him, everybody left the house while we did the investigation except for the mom and dad. And while we were down in the basement, one of the other investigators had started smelling smoke. At the same time, I had looked down and I saw what looked like a charred human crawling on the ground. I could see the white of his eyes and everything else was like a burnt hot dog, crispy black. And, um, I had kind of gotten a name in my head. I went upstairs and I spoke to dad. I said, I need you to call him and I need you to ask him if he had a friend named Paul. So the dad called the gentleman and he said, yes, he, he, he did have a friend named Paul. His, it was his best friend. And I said, I need you to ask him if he died in a Humvee. I see a mortar hitting, hitting the Humvee, flipping it over and him burning to death in it. And I see him crawling out of it. And dad was able to confirm that's exactly how his friend had died now the one that was crawling on the ground was not the one haunting the location or causing the issues we actually believe he was there to help his friend because what was haunting the house I'm actually getting chills thinking about it now was actually very malicious he was very mean we were able to get rid of him Um, as far as I know they haven't had any more problems since But that was the most scariest moment I've ever actually experienced in this field. To this day, it's still probably one of the scariest.
0: A far cry different from the helpful ghost at the hotel. Very much so. How did you get rid of him?
2: Well, we did a couple of different things. Uh, One of the people that we had in on the investigation is a Wiccan. So... The house did get smudged along with everyone in it. Now smudging is using sage going through um, and cleansing any negative energy. But we also found there, there was a portal in the home that had to be closed and that's a whole different thing. And how you close a portal is, can vary from place to place. This particular one, um, I believe he used tar from the railroad tracks mixed with um, an alcohol that helps dilute it and thin it down. And then it's used to help close the portal.
0: Tell us more about portals.
2: Okay, so a, a portal is basically—it's um, almost a rift in this this realm. It can be caused by several different things. So think of it kind of like a, like you would a black hole in the universe. It kind of works the same with us. It's it's a two-way travel or almost like a wormhole. It can be created by. Um, a traumatic event, it could be created by energy shifts, it can be created by mirrors facing each other, that's another theory we have. Now you have to think, when you when you talk about the paranormal, a lot of it is still based on theory. Even though, um, and it's kind of like what I teach my students, we, even though we practice medicine, and we know medicine, we've done it for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years, it's still considered practicing medicine. So it's still in the learning process, much like the paranormal field. We're still in the learning process, but we're back almost into the Stone Age time still. So when we're talking about portals, we're talking about all of this, it's still theory-based. It's still things that we're having to study and figure out why these things happen. Is it, you know, if we want to go into the quantum physics level, is it the six parallel universes just coming together at one tiny rip in time it it's really hard to explain them but it's a it's a way that we believe spirits can enter back and forth between different realms
1: mm, and maybe other things too shifting topic just a little bit what can you tell us about fort el reno
2: okay so fort el reno of course was built prior to the land run it was brought in to help during the indian wars it was also kind of the meet the meeting point between moving the Cheyenne and Arapaho Indians, bring them in and then putting them onto one certain area. So they were the regulators at the time, the police, so to speak. Uh, There's a lot of different hauntings that does go on at the fort. People have reported seeing um, soldiers out on the battlefield, out in the center field, the common ground. There's been music heard there. Now, the one thing that I personally have experienced has been over in the chapel, which was built by the um, German refugees during World War II. When we were in there doing a conference, as our first actual paranormal conference was there, I was alone in the building. And Mm -hmm. I was downstairs cleaning up the area and I heard what sounded like someone running back and forth upstairs. Well, I knew I was the only one in the building, so I immediately went up there and there was nobody there. So we do have disembodied footsteps there. Um, We have in one of the houses, the reports, okay, it's actually, it's the Calvary Museum now. There are reports of a little girl and little boy haunting there. Now with their story, they were actually in a house that was next to it at one time, but that house had burnt down and both children perished in that home. But now they haunt the building next to it. And they are actually buried out there at Fort Reno as well.
1: So for those coming to El Reno, what would you recommend for them to come check out?
2: There's a lot of little little boutiques around town. There's little little shops, little diners that you can go into. It has a very rustic hometown kind of feel to it. There's There's always something going on, little festivals or the fort's always a great place to go the museum is amazing to go to Jack um, the gentleman that, that had put the museum together has collected stuff since the 1970s and he has stuff from the Chisholm Trail um, from the land run itself it actually in one of the buildings has a bar back that was located in one of the tents during the land run Oh wow! so there's a lot of history here just Amazing! One of the uh, one of the buildings, the same one that has that has that old Civil War uniform or fort type uniform back back then, and during one of our investigations, it actually gave us the name, and we were able to, to take it back and found it on the uniform. It had wow. the soldier's name on it. So,
0: yeah, with so many artifacts, the energy there would
2: it's certainly amazing. have something. Oh, absolutely, and um, even if you go into the depot area. The depot area is so full of stuff that, that they've collected, including uh, burial clothing for babies that's in there, human teeth. There's a ton of human teeth in there. Um, all kinds of just surgical equipment and things from back then. Cameras, of course, are in there from, I mean, way back when, and as well as, you know, the old photos, the deaf photos, the, the tin plates. Uh, one of the most haunted areas in there, though, is actually in the very back which was the segregated section at the time. There's still a water fountain back there that says, um, you know, well, Negroes only, I don't really wanna say it out like that, but it was purely segregated. There is a, um, a little colored man that haunts back there, and we've actually gotten a picture of him. He's very, very nice, he interacts with people, and his, he has really good energy, but also during the time, that area is when they would bring any soldier that died came through here and a lot of their bodies went right through that room so that would be where they brought soldiers home through was that back area and it was the cargo area but that's the segregated area as well so lots of energy there
0: Uh, speaking of military bodies i've heard a lot about the pow cemetery Mm -hmm. from world war ii
2: it is a nice little cemetery back there now remember they are the ones that built the chapel and we have several photographs of them And it was told that a lot of them actually stayed after because they actually liked it here, and they integrated well. Now, I have heard other stories where they were mistreated, but from what I've seen in the pictures, most of them are smiling. And that a lot of their family today still pilgrim here just to see their cemetery sites. So we do get a lot of people from Germany just coming to see their their past relatives that were buried there. Since Route
1: 66 runs through El Reno, what can you tell us about any haunted sites along Route 66 around El Reno or in El Reno?
2: You have the hunchback of 66 here that hangs out. Uh, he's, he's on 66 between here and Yukon. The story behind that, it was um, an older Indian gentleman that was an alcoholic and was out wandering the roads one night completely inebriated and was hit by a car. So now people say that they see him still wandering the roads. A lot of people have witnessed witnessed him turn around and he'd be gone. There is another area that a lot of people have really um, just kind of freaky feelings about that they don't like on that same road. So, And, you know, not too far from here at Concho, which is, what, five miles up the road off 81, you have Bigfoot. Bigfoot. You have a Bigfoot sighting at Lucky Star Casino.
1: I didn't realize Bigfoot was over in this area. I've heard mostly Bigfoot stories was like in, you know, southeastern Oklahoma.
2: Yeah, Bigfoot has been spotted by security there, and they had it on a tape. He was around their um, their grease trap. And more recently, I've heard that there's also um, another uh, cryptozoology out there. We don't know what it's called yet, but it's a big flying creature. Hmm. So something you guys might look into later if, they are in, if you're going to go into cryptozoology stuff. There are supposedly two creatures out there.
0: Interesting. I have heard a lot of stories about the El Reno chicken man.
2: Mm. I wonder if that, I yeah. haven't heard of that one, but yeah, maybe that's, that's him. Several decades back. But this one, this one has been spotted from what I understand the past few months pretty recently, and it's a big flying creature.
1: Mm, the old Thunderbird. Could be. I don't suppose anyone has any pictures of it.
2: Not on that one that I know of. I just heard about it.
0: Well, with People's smartphones now everywhere. Uh, hopefully we'll start getting yeah. more and more evidence.
2: They just knew for sure they caught the, the Bigfoot creature on security camera. Mm,
0: technology, wow.
2: The building that I'm getting ready to rent over here was one of the original Rock Island Railroad administration buildings, and it has the downstairs storefront is where I'll be. There's a lawyer's office next to it, but above it is a big open space that covers both, and it's a huge, huge open space. Well, the owner um, took me up there, and I turned on my ghost radio, and There's no electricity upstairs. It has that old electric box where you pull down type of thing, so there's no electricity at all right now. And while it was going off, I got several different things, but the one thing I got when I walked over to the north side of the building was, let me out, let me out. Come to find out there had been a fire in that building, and you could still see the char marks going up the walls. So there is there is an intelligent haunting, I truly believe, in that building as well. I could feel it downstairs, so I'm really anxious to kind of get in there and start investigating it, especially after we put the haunted stuff in there. It's going to be amazing.
1: What building is this again?
2: Um, it's over here off Rock Island. I think it's 105, but it was originally the old Rock Island Railroad Administration offices. It was built in 1898. Very old building. And, of course, when I do the museum, I actually have a piece of the bombing site and we've been getting all kinds of energy off of that lately
1: well thank you for taking the time to talk to us about el reno before we go you do have a book you brought with you about el reno could you tell us a little bit more about the book for our listeners
2: um haunted el reno talks about a lot of the stories that i kind of just told you it's uh the front cover of course is featuring the carnegie library which is the oldest carnegie library in oklahoma that is still being used as a library. It's a really great building and there's a lot of really good history around it. Uh, I I came out with the El Reno book after writing the Haunted Canadian County because at that point I realized there were so many stories in El Reno, it, it just deserved its own book.
1: As I packed up my equipment to leave Iron Tree Coffee, Tanya offered to show us where she planned to open her business. When we got there, she remembered a story she forgot to tell us about the old jail, which she took us over there to tell the tale.
2: This is one of the oldest jails in Oklahoma. It was still in use till 1984. Uh, it has two levels on it. Now in this jail at one time, they actually had not only male inmates, but females and juveniles were all kept in the same small jail space. In 1984, they, they officially shut it down. Prior to that, they had actually ended up shutting down the second floor because it didn't meet regulations for fire code. Now, with this jail, uh, some of the famous groups that came through, and one of them was actually the Dooling Gang that spent some time here. They have the carriage house in the back, which used to be the where they kept the horses and um, the carriages, and it was also one of the sheriff's offices, I believe, in the back. 84 is when they started just storing things here like the guns and the drugs that they would they would collect. They were stored in this building for a long time along with files and then here recently it's those have been removed and it's being hopefully turned into a historical. Now the stories with this is there's disembodied voices. Uh, my neighbor actually worked with the sheriff's department and told me that they were always very uneasy going into the building it had a very kind of freaky feeling to it. They would hear footsteps, um, things would get shuffled around, so it was always very unnerving even for a sheriff to go in there.
0: It definitely does have energy from it. Not just the kind of creepy feel from windows being broken out, but just the architecture itself. It's like it's holding in something. (laughs) As we said
1: our goodbyes, I noticed the professor was rather thorough in making sure Tanya was safe. He questioned if she had gotten any weird mail, threatening messages, noticed if anyone had been following her lately, etc., etc. Tanya assured him that everything was fine and nothing out of the ordinary has happened. The professor seemed a bit relaxed at her news. It's kind of hard to tell with him sometimes. On the way back,
0: I asked him about it. the storms are looking like they're really starting to build. Maybe we should go a little faster.
1: Well, right now it is 70 no tolerance, so I am going as fast as I can.
0: Maybe a little tolerance.
1: So what was with you and Tanya back there? You
0: seemed, like, overly concerned? Well, after what happened with Wendell, I, I wanted to check on all of my previous sources, folks I've talked to in the past. Uh, I don't know if anything might have happened to them, too. Oh, I'm sorry. Has anything happened to any of your other sources so far? No one I've talked to, but you never know what's going to happen when. You think everything's safe and fine, and then suddenly you get hit.
1: Of the show starts now studios and is produced by Dennis Spielman. The voice of Sam Saxton is Dennis Spielman. The voice of Professor Jeff DeRoot is Jeff Provine.
2: We would like to thank our guests, Tanya McCoy Walmack, for sharing stories with us and Iron Tree Coffee for hosting the interview session. To support this podcast and get bonus content, visit TalesUnveiled.com. This episode's advice comes from Elbert Hubbard The greatest mistake that you can make in life is to be continually fearing you will make one.